Acts chapter number 6 tonight in our Bibles. And real quick, reviewing verse 1 through 7. Last week we uh, studied verse 1 through 7 and we talked about how that these apostles were delegating responsibility. Uh, there was some murmuring that was taking place and uh, the murmuring was uh, uh, amongst the different groups there and how that their uh, widows were not taken care of or not provided for as well as others. And so the apostles, with their wisdom, uh, they started to delegate responsibility. We put it this way, they enlisted help wisely. They used wisdom and enlisted help wisely and so they took what could have really become a very large problem and they minimized that large problem by enlisting help wisely. They were uh, helping, uh, they, they were enlisting individuals. And by the way, they chose seven of them. And we're going to talk about one of them in particular tonight because the passage kind of splits off from talking about those seven or giving the names of those seven to narrowing it down to just one of those men that were, were named there. But those seven men that were listed there, uh, they were going to help to meet the physical needs of all that were in the early church there. And by the way, uh, again, the widows as well, as that was what was really addressed there in the passage of Scripture. And so they were going to help meet the physical needs so that the apostles could put all of their mind and their attention and their time to the spiritual needs of being able to preach the Word of God and uh, spending time in prayer as well. And I, I'm so thankful, and we talked about this last week, I guess an application for our church. I'm so thankful at Victory Baptist Church. Now, we're certainly not a large church. We don't look at ourselves as some kind of a large church here. But we're thankful that even though we're a smaller church, we're thankful that the spiritual needs can be met, but then the physical needs can be met as well. And so we have individuals that are working to t take care of the physical needs of our church here so that those things can get done and the building looks nice. Praise the Lord for that, right? got property that looks nice and we want to keep it that way when somebody's coming into the building that they're seeing the property looking neat and clean aren't you thankful for people that meet the physical needs of the church and get things like that done so that the spiritual needs can be met as well certainly uh, both of them important we know spiritual needs obviously far outweigh the physical needs but phys the, the, the keeping the th things looking nice and orderly around here and jobs getting done the right way that's important as well isn't it and so we're thankful we come together and serve the Lord and get the work of the Lord done, the physical needs, the spiritual needs as well. So remember verse 3. Let's look back up to verse number 3 a second. It says, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, who we may appoint, he says, over this business. So remember who they were looking for. We said this last Sunday night. They were looking for good men. Then they were looking for godly men. And then they were looking for gifted men. We talked about how they were looking for men of honest report, good men, men that had some character, men that were known for their honesty, and then men that were full of the Holy Ghost. So we want to look for godly men, but we also want to look for men of wisdom, so we want to look for gifted men as well, men that have wisdom, and God has gifted them with some wisdom so that we can get the, uh, the uh, physical needs taken care of and spiritual needs can be provided for as well. Well, they chose seven. And one of those seven was Stephen. Look with me, if you would, at verse number seven. I'm sorry, verse number five again. The seven men that they chose. Look at the first man that's mentioned there in this list of seven. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose. Now, here's number one. There's seven, six other men that's mentioned in this passage of Scripture, or excuse me, this particular verse. But let's narrow this down to one, because that's the, that's the uh, individual that this passage starts to branch off into. It starts to talk about Stephen. So it says, Stephen a man full of faith 
and of the Holy Ghost, which by the way, we're going to talk about some character traits of Stephen here in just a moment as we go down and we start in verse number eight tonight. But the Bible says there, one of the men that was chosen, Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. So let's go down to verse number eight. We'll go to the end of the chapter here tonight as we uh, preach and try to encourage you tonight with some thoughts. And I think probably more than anything, as I was studying through this, and I was getting prepared to be able to preach this this evening, I think really uh, we could narrow what we're going to learn tonight down to really one real, real major application. I think we could see one great truth tonight that I think is really going to help us. We'll see several points throughout the evening, but I think we really narrow this passage down to one main truth that I want to encourage us to be like the early church with, and really like this man Stephen with tonight. And I hope it'll be an encouragement to you. Number one tonight, I want us to see the character of Stephen. Number one, I want us to see the character of Stephen. Look with me if you would at verse number eight. The Bible talks to us about his character. And by the way, there's going to be other verses that come after verse number eight that's going to speak of his character. And we'll touch on those as well. But primarily, verse number eight is what talks about the character of Stephen. So look at what's said of Stephen. It says verse eight, and Stephen, full of faith. Now we've already heard that, haven't we? Because up in verse number five, the Bible says they chose Stephen, a man full of faith. So we've already identified him as a man full of faith. But then in verse number eight, it says it again. He's full of faith and power. And then look at the end of verse number eight, did great wonders and miracles among the people. So there's several things that are said about Stephen in this passage. Let's kind of break these down. Look at verse number eight again. It says, and Stephen, here's number one, full of faith, full of faith. Now, I studied this out a little bit there in verse number eight. I studied this out a little bit as I was preparing this tonight. And I came across uh, an idea of that word faith there that's seen in verse number eight. And it says that, it said that Stephen, the idea of that word faith there is that Stephen was full of confidence in God. Now, would you think about that tonight in our lives? Are you full of confidence in God? Really, that's what faith is, isn't it? To be confident in God to be able to trust him, to be able to take him at his word. And so the Bible's telling us that Stephen was a man that was full of confidence in God. It's another way of saying he trusted entirely in him. He put his trust, he rested his trust, he rested his faith in God. And so he was a man that was full of faith. Now I have said this several times as we've studied through the book of Acts, so please don't get tired of hearing it because it's a great truth. We are saved by faith, but God also asks us to live by faith. We're, 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 we're trusting him by faith. Uh, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves is the gift of God. Not of works lest any man should boast. So we're saved by faith. But we are asked of God to live by faith as well. We talked about that a little bit last Sunday morning when we were talking about always abounding in a walk that's worthy of the Lord. Well, the Bible says in the book of 2 Corinthians, I, I, I believe off the top of my head, it's chapter 5, verse number 7. But it says this, it says that we are to walk by faith, not by sight. So we're to live a life of faith. I want you to turn really quickly. I know this is the great uh, faith passage. Uh, turn with me, if you would, real quickly to Hebrews chapter number 11. Now, I know we've read these verses. I know we've studied them. I know we've heard them before. But maybe a good reminder tonight of the fact that we are saved by faith, but we're to live by faith as well. Hebrews chapter 11, look with me, if you would, in verse number 1. And by the way, as we're reading these verses... Would you, in your mind, concentrate on what I said that definition of faith meant? That he was putting his confidence, all of his confidence, in God. Full of confidence in God. Look with me, if you would, at verse number one. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, 
the evidence of things not seen. Now, these are th- things, that we, uh, things that we believe by faith are things that we have not seen yet. But we are still trusting, aren't we? And we're still putting our hope in it. So we have not seen it. And by the way, one day that faith will become sight, won't it? That faith will become sight. And, and, that, and that which we have put our hope in, it, it, will, it will be fully seen one day. And we're thankful for that. Uh, we believe in a place called heaven that we've never seen with our eyes. Well, aren't you thankful that by faith we have the, uh, the, the, the belief and the confidence in God. We're trusting him that one day if we put our faith and trust in him, we are going to get to see that place, right? Our hope and our faith is going to become sight. Then look at what it says, verse number two. For by it the elders obtained a good report. And by the way, we know that this is a passage of scripture that deals with a lot of men and women that are known for their faith. But look at verse number three. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. And then it begins to go into the list of those men and women. We're not going to read through all of those. But we believe that the worlds were framed because of faith. So again, we are saved by faith. But we are to walk, we're to live by faith as well. So an application for us tonight, when we think of the man Stephen here that was full of faith, may we be full of faith in our lives. May we, be, we, may, may we have full confidence in God. May we trust Him. May we take Him at His word. We did for salvation, and now let us live, let us walk by faith as well. But then notice what the Bible says to describe the character of Stephen again. Verse number 8. And Stephen, full of faith and power. We could say it this way, God's power was on him. God's power was on him. And we could go throughout the Bible and we could see so many different examples and so many different illustrations of God's power being upon a person, a man or a woman, to do the work that God had called them to do. And aren't you thankful for the power of God in our lives? Now, his power was only, uh, the, the power of God was only on Stephen because Stephen was filled with the Holy Spirit. You say, well, how do you know that's true? Remember what we read in verse 5? Look back up at verse number five again. Stephen, it says, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. So he was full of the Holy Ghost. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. And as a result of being filled with the Holy Ghost, God's power was on his life. Now, number one, may we be people of God that have a life full of faith, but may we be people of God that are living a life full of the power of God because of the filling of the Holy Ghost in our lives. And I know we talked about that this morning as well. Look with me, if you would, at one of the minor prophets. Would you find the book of Zechariah? The book of Zechariah towards the end of the Old Testament of our Bible. If you would find that for just a moment, Zechariah. And notice with me, if you would, chapter number four in the book of Zechariah, chapter number four. And look at what the Bible says in verse number six. This reminds us of Oh, our, the, the source of our power. Remember we said he was powerful because of, or God's power was upon him because he was full of the Holy Spirit. This reminds us of the power that God has given us. Zechariah chapter 4 and verse number 6. It says this, Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, not, Now notice this, Not by might, nor by power, but my, my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. So yes, we want God's might. Yes, we want God's power. But we're not going to have God's might and God's power minus the Holy Spirit. So we've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And may we do that. May we have lives that are filled with the Holy Spirit of God as we are the spouse God wants us to be. As we are the parent God wants us to be. As we are the Christian God wants us to be. The soul winner God wants us to be. The Sunday school teacher God wants us to be. The servant of the Lord that God wants to be. The bus worker that God wants us to be. Whatever it is that God has given us, the task that he's given to us, we need his power, don't we? And so not by our might, 
Not by our power, not by our strength, but we find our source of power and might and strength in being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. But then look at another detail about his character. Look with me, if you would, again at verse number 8. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great, uh, did great wonders and miracles among the people. By the way, the last three words of this verse tell us something specific about these wonders and miracles. Look with me, if you would, at the last three verses. It says, among the people. Which means that these wonders and these miracles that Stephen were doing, they were being seen openly. So these weren't private things. These were public things. People were seeing these. It was among the people. So God was using Stephen to do some miracles, to do some uh, uh, works that were wonders. By the way, wonders, another way of saying miracles. So wonders and miracles he was doing among the people. And by the way, as we've talked about the early church, and as we've talked about God's power being upon some of these people, it's these miracles and these wonders that are being done. Let's not confuse this. These are, these are results of God working through these people. So it's not something they're doing in and of themselves. It's because of God working through the lives of these individuals that are doing these wonders and these miracles. But remember what another truth that we have said about these miracles that we're seeing in Acts chapter number 5. Because remember in, 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 in the early church, Remember back in Acts chapter number 5, we told you that, that people were coming because they thought if they could just pass by the shadow of Peter. You remember that? If they could just pass by the shadow of Peter, great things would be done. And remember one of the things that we've been telling you about these miracles and these wonders and these works that are being done is that these were temporary gifts that God had given to these apostles uh, until the completion of the Bible. So God was allowing these men uh, to to uh, be able to see these wonders and these miracles performed so that, they could, so that God could validate their teaching and validate their preaching and validate the giving out of the gospel until the Bible was completed or until the Bible was whole. Now, I think you would agree with me, the Bible is the only thing we need for the source of our answers for our preaching and our teaching and to validate the gospel that we preach. Uh, but, but until the gospel, or excuse me, until the Bible was completed, God used these miracles to validate their teaching and to validate their preaching and to be able to validate the gospel that they were preaching so that people could believe this truly was coming from God. Only God could put the power on these men to perform these miracles and these wonders. So number one, we saw the character of Stephen. Number two, I want you to see the conspiracy against Stephen. So number one, the character of Stephen. Number two, I want you to notice the conspiracy against Stephen. Now, already, without going any further, just by giving you those two words that have described Stephen, number one, character, and number two, a conspiracy against him, already in our minds, we could quickly go to the greatest example that we could ever say that walked the face of this earth, Jesus. Now, wasn't Jesus known for character? He was known for character, and Jesus was also known for times when people conspired against him. That's what the Bible tells us they do to Stephen. There is a conspiracy against him. Would you look at verse number 9? By the way, when we're reading the next few verses here in Acts chapter number 6, you're going to notice that we are also going to see a little bit more about the character of Stephen, or at least the power that God has given to him. So you'll notice this as we read through here. We've already seen that he's a man full of faith, uh, full of power, 
Miracles and wonders are being done through Stephen, but we'll get to see a little bit more about his character and the way that God is using him in these verses that we'll read, but we're going to see the conspiracy against Stephen. Look at verse number 9. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines, and Cyrenians and Alexandrians and of, and of them of Cilicia and of Asia disputing with Stephen. So the Bible tells us that now there's uh, groups of people, several groups of people that are offended by what Stephen is doing. Offended by the fact that he is not only a man full of power and a man full of faith, miracles and wonders are being done, but this man understands the scriptures. And he understands the scriptures so much that the Bible says they start disputing against Stephen and the things that he has said and the things that he is teaching and the things that he is bringing up from the scriptures. Now, can I say this? And I think you would acknowledge this. I think you would say it's true as I say it. As we speak the truth and as we live a life of faith and as we live a life of power, by the way, those are the two things that describe Stephen, right? A life of faith, a life of power. As we live a life of faith, as we live a life of power, as we speak the truth, there are times in which we will face opposition. There are times we will face opposition. Now, I don't think that we would get to a place in our lives at this moment where we would say we were facing the persecution that we're reading about here in the book of Acts. I mean, you think about these men being placed into prison, their lives being threatened, uh, they, they want to do them harm. But there are times when we're speaking the truth that we may face some opposition. Uh, we may, I, you know, I had, I had, I had a couple, couple of doors slammed on me yesterday. You know, we'll face some minor oppositions like that where folks don't want to hear the truth. And matter of fact, folks might even be irritated by the truth a little bit, bothered by it a little bit, as God is perhaps even doing his work in their heart and they're rejecting and they're pushing away. So there are going to be some times as we speak the truth and as we live a life full of faith and a life full of God's power because we're filled by the Holy Spirit of God where we will face opposition. I was going to take the time to turn there, but we won't. We'll just, we'll just uh, 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 think through it quickly. Think about Ephesians chapter 6 where the Bible says that we've got the armor of God. And it says we're to stand in, in the evil day and having done all to stand. Remember now, we're not, we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. You know, we're fighting against uh, the devil and, 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 and certainly uh, the... Uh, the opposition that we face from him is a roaring lion who's walking about and he's seeking whom he may devour. And so we're not fighting against one another. We're not fighting against flesh and blood, but again, against uh, the, the, the powers of the air. The Bible says principalities, as we see there in Ephesians chapter 6. So we've got that armor we can put on, right? That armor that gives us strength as we go through times of opposition. And so there were many groups that's mentioned here in verse number 9 that the Bible tells us are offended by Stephen. As a matter of fact, the Bible says at the end of verse number 9, notice this, it says they are disputing with Stephen. And then look with me, if you would, at verse number 10. It says, and they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. See, now as I'm reading that, my mind goes to another illustration of Jesus Christ. Would you agree with me? Think about when Jesus was a little boy and he was in the temple and they are listening to him. They could not believe the knowledge and the wisdom that he had. As a boy right there in that temple, as they're gathered around hearing what he says, the Bible says they're disputing with Stephen, but the Bible says they're not even able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake, which tells us this about Stephen. Stephen had a knowledge of the scriptures. 
He had a knowledge of the Old Testament scriptures. And he knew that the Old Testament scriptures were the scriptures that pointed to Christ. By the way, we've been going through a journey of the Old Testament on Wednesday nights. And by the way, that has thoroughly blessed my heart. I hope it's encouraged you. Um, and, and it's blessed my heart to go through the journey of the Old Testament. One thing I said at the very start of that journey, many months ago, we started that. I said that what we're going to see as we go throughout every book of the Bible is we're going to see a scarlet thread that just runs right through the Bible. And what do we mean by that scarlet thread? The Bible's about Jesus, isn't it? It's about Jesus. So from the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation, it's about Jesus. It's that scarlet thread that runs throughout the Bible that talks about or points to Christ. And we think about all of those Old Testament prophecies that, that were given that pointed to the fact that Jesus Christ was going to come. But not just the prophecies. How about the, 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 the types and the pictures? Then from the very start of the Bible in Genesis chapter 3 where we see that the animal that was sacrificed so that coats could be made to cover Adam and Eve immediately pointing to the fact that Jesus was going to have blood that was shed and he was going to die on the cross and sacrifice his self so that our sins could be forgiven. We could be covered with his righteousness because we were sinners. And this is what Stephen knew. He knew the Old Testament scriptures. He knew that those scriptures were pointing to Jesus. And can I say this by way of maybe perhaps an application for us tonight? This tonight speaks to the necessity of studying our Bibles. We've got to study our Bibles. We've got to make sure we're understanding what the Bible teaches us. From the children that are young here sitting up close to all of us tonight. From the young adults to those that are, that are older adults. You'd say all of us. To have the responsibility to study through the word of God. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. And when, when someone comes to us, we're, we ought to be able to give to them an answer. The Bible says, of a reason of the hope that is within us with meekness and fear. We ought to be ready to give an answer. And so it shouldn't be that as we're growing in the Lord, we're not growing to know more about His Word. We're, need, we're needing to walk with Him. We're needing to understand the Scriptures. And the Bible says they were amazed by His wisdom. Again, this, I think this speaks to the character of Stephen. He was a man full of wisdom. And he knew the Scriptures. So this is where they start to conspire against Stephen. And I want you to really notice as they conspire against Stephen, I want you to really see the picture of how I think we could illustrate this of what Jesus Christ had to go through. Let's look at it a step at a time. Look at verse number 11. The Bible says they accused Stephen. It says, when th Then they subordined men, which said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So they hired men to lie against Stephen. And he's accused of blasphemy. And I can think, think of the story, I guess my mind goes to the story in the, in the uh, Old Testament of our Bible, the story of Daniel. Daniel chapter number 6, the Bible says that they're trying to figure out a way to do away with David or Daniel, excuse me. And they can't find any means to, 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 uh, to, to, to cause him harm because he had such good character. There's nothing that could be said of him. So they had to come up with that decree that if he prayed to any other person than the king, he'd be placed into the lion's den. They can't find anything against him. The Bible says they can't find anything against Stephen. And because they can't find anything against him, the Bible tells us they have to hire individuals to lie against Stephen and accuse him of blasphemy. Isn't this in similitude to our Savior? 
They couldn't find anything wrong with him. Remember, what evil has he done? So notice the next verse, verse number 12. The Bible says they then drag him to the Sanhedrin. Man, this is interesting as we study through Acts chapter number 6. Notice it says they drag him to the Sanhedrin. They says, and they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council. Again, it almost reminds me of what Jesus had to go through. The people were stirred up, weren't they? Remember, the people were stirred up in such a great way that they started yelling out, crucify him, crucify him. They wanted to put him to death. Here they're stirred up against Stephen and the Bible tells us they take him and they called him and they brought him to the council. So the Bible says they drag him, they take him and they bring him to the Sanhedrin, that, remember that 71 member Jewish court of law. And the Bible tells us they now are going to bring lying witnesses before him. And the Bible says in verse number 13 and 14, would you look at it with me? It says, and set up false witnesses, which said this man ceaseth not, excuse me, to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. Again, they're lying about him, aren't they? Accusing him of speaking blasphemous words, that says. Look at verse number 14, if you would. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. They use lying witnesses to accuse him of blasphemy the same way they used uh, they hired those men to lie against Stephen as well in verse number 11. So we see it in verse number 11. We see it in verse number 12 as they take him to the Sanhedrin. And then as they lie against him in verse number 13 and verse number 14. Now let's turn to two verses. Because again, I can't help but just keep going back to this. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. Now, if you're familiar at all with the Gospels, you know that the end of the book of Matthew, of course, is the death of Jesus Christ. The trials that he has to go through. The death and the crucifixion and then the burial and then the resurrection that we see at the end of the book of Matthew. And notice in chapter number 26, the Bible says in verse number 59, this in Matthew 26. Verse number 59 now of Matthew chapter 26. It says, now the chief priest and elders and all the council sought false witnesses against Jesus to put him to death. But found none, yea, though many false witnesses came, yet found they none. At the last came two false witnesses and again began to tell a story of uh, what they try to accuse Jesus of. Taking what his words were and trying to falsely accuse him. Think about what Stephen has to go through. Stephen's a man of character, but he's a man that's conspired against. Jesus is a man of character, conspired against. We talked about it in Daniel's life as well, right? A man of character and conspired against. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew 27. Matthew 27 and verse number 20. Notice it says here, But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. Now think back to what we said about uh, uh, Stephen. Remember it says they stirred the people. Their way of persuading the people to say, hey, let's grab a hold of him. Let's catch him. Let's take him to the Sanhedrin. And then let's have lying witnesses accuse him of blasphemy. So the Bible tells us again, in similitude to Jesus, what uh, Stephen has to go through. And then one other passage of scripture that I, I uh, w- would not want to go on without, uh, without looking at. I want you to look at Psalm 27 for a moment. My mind went to this as I was preparing this message. Look at Psalm 27, if you would. And I want us to notice some of the things that, that uh, the Bible tells us that, that David had to go through. Now, you remember there was 
there was, there was a, certainly a, a great a, a, a time in David's life where he's running away from Saul. Saul's trying to kill him. Saul's trying to do him harm. That led David to writing many of the Psalms. He's thinking of all the things that he has to go through. And the Bible says in Psalm 27, and I think there's great lessons that we can learn from this. It says this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Here's these that are his enemies. And the Bible says they're coming up against him and they're stumbling, the Bible says, and, fa and falling. Look at verse 3. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. I, I guess my main application today is this. This is what I think we see in the life of Stephen. There are going to be times in which we might face opposition. But we turn to the Lord. He's our light. He's our salvation. He's our strength. He's our shield. And even when the enemies rise up against us, even when the opposition is there, even when there's times of trial and persecution and troubles... We turn to him. He says, my heart shall not fear. Though wars should rise against me, and this will I be confident. Now watch what he says. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. That's a good place to be, isn't it? In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou saidest, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not my, uh, thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. Now watch what he says. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Now watch what he says at the end of the psalm. Deliver me not over into the will of mine enemies for false witnesses. Now this is what Stephen's had to go through. This is what Jesus had to go through. He says, false witnesses are risen up against me and such as breathe out cruelty. Here's what David's saying. He said, there's people that have risen up against me that would lay false charges against me. They want to lay false charges against me. They want to wrongfully accuse me. That's what's happening with Stephen. By the way, that's what happened with our Savior. We use the illustration of Daniel as well. David says, false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. Now notice what he says, which ought to be an encouragement to us at the end. He said, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And Steve, uh, David says, it's almost as if my strength was gone, but then I realized the goodness of the Lord. And then notice what he says in verse number 14. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. Now, I know that we're not going to get to all of the life of Stephen tonight because we're going to get to move into chapter number 7 and we're going to get to see the way that God uses Stephen in an unbelievable way. But can I say this? How do we respond tonight when we are mistreated? How do we respond when we face opposition? How do we re respond? Again, maybe the main application for tonight. How do we respond, as the, as the early church did, as Stephen did, how do we respond when we're wrongfully accused? Have you ever had a time where you've had somebody try to, try to sl be slanderous? 
uh, and try to, uh, ha- try to uh, slander you, maybe gossip about you, and there's opposition around you, and maybe uh, times where you're going through some trials and some trouble, how do you respond? Well, the end of our passage tonight tells us how Stephen responded. And that's what we want to finish with tonight. Look with me one more time at the last verse in Acts chapter number 6. I want you to notice the character of Stephen. I want you to notice the conspiracy against Stephen. But we want to finish tonight with one last verse, and it's verse number 15. I want you to notice the countenance of Stephen. The character of Stephen. He was a man full of faith and a man full of power. He was conspired against, but then notice his countenance. Look with me, if you would, at verse number 15. The Bible says, And all that sat in the council, looking steadfastly on him, saw his face as it had been the face of hatred. No. The face of anger. No. The Bible says, As it had been the face of an angel. Now let me ask you, can you respond to mistreatment this way? Man, it really humbles us to see a man of God like Stephen who responded to mistreatment this way. The Bible says he responds with the face of an angel. Can I say this? God had given him grace. God had given him grace. And by the way, when you respond the right way, when you're mistreated or when there's individuals that try to slander you or try to gossip about you or there's opposition that you're facing, can I say this? When you respond the right way, God is giving you grace to do what you know you ought to do, know what is right. Uh, Look back with me, if you would, real quickly to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4 and verse number 33, the Bible says this, And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Just like God's grace was on them in Acts chapter number 4, God's grace is on the life of Stephen here in Acts chapter number 6. The Bible says that his response is as the face of an angel. Again, not the face of anger. Not the face of hatred, but a face of peace. Now, can I say what that speaks to tonight? I think it speaks to the presence of God in his life. And the power of God on his life. But I I think we need to go a step further. I I, I don't think it speaks to just the presence of God and the power of God on his life. I think it speaks to the fact that Stephen is Christ-like. Stephen is Christ-like. What did we say about the comparison of these two? Remember, Jesus was a man of character. He was conspired against. And then may we, may we think in our minds the way that Jesus mis- responded to his mistreatment. The Bible says he responded even forgiving the prisoner that was on his side. Remember me when thou enterest into thy kingdom. And he says, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. The man who deserved to die for what he had done. Jesus forgave him. And then the Bible says that Jesus even speaks on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus responds with grace, doesn't he? Stephen responds with grace. There's a verse in the book of John. We've memorized that. Matter of fact, I believe it was last year we worked on memorizing this. It says, uh, and, 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 and right when I say that, I forget what it is. Uh, 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 John chapter 1. Let me see if I can read it because I'm forgetting what it is. John chapter 1. We memorized it. I think it was this past year. Uh, And the word, John chapter 1, verse number 14. Let me make sure I get it right. It says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Remember we memorized that one? We beheld his glory. The glory is of the the only begotten of the Father. Notice what it says at the end. You, you, You memorized it with me, right? Full of grace and truth. Jesus was a man full of grace, wasn't he? And a man full of truth. 
Can I say this tonight? We need to respond with grace. We need to ask God to give us that grace to respond that way. But how do we respond when we're mistreated? May we learn from the life of Stephen tonight. Number one is character. And again, reminding of what Jesus did. His character, the conspiring or the conspiracy against Stephen, but then also the countenance of Stephen as he responds to the mistreatment and the opposition with grace and with the face, the Bible says, of an angel. Not the face of hatred, not the face of anger, but a face of peace. Now, there are going to be times where we're going to have to respond that way. There are going to be times we face opposition. May the Lord help us as we make that application tonight. Maybe first and foremost, that application tonight from the past of Scripture that we've read. Let's be a little bit like David when he says, Mine enemies, they've risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. But he says, I'm waiting on the Lord. I'm going to let the Lord take care of it all. And I, I'm gonna, I, I, I was to the point where I almost fainted, but I, I, I saw the goodness of God. Let's see the goodness of God. Let's respond with grace. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity we've had to preach the word of God tonight. And Lord, as we've heard God's word tonight, may we make application.